I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Howdy, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that unmasks history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the final crime of gold rush outlaw Black Bart, including how he was eventually captured thanks to a misplaced handkerchief. The day was November 3rd, 1883. Charles Black Bart Bowles robbed his 28th Wells Fargo wagon, the last before his capture. The notorious bandit had plagued the company for eight long years, helping himself to stagecoach strongboxes throughout Northern California and Southern Oregon. His final robbery took place near the mining city of Copperopolis in Calaveras County, California. After lying in wait for the stagecoach to make its scheduled pass, Black Bart stepped out from behind a rock with a shotgun in hand and demanded all the gold on board. He didn't fire a single shot that day. Supposedly, he never did, a show of restraint that earned him the nickname The Gentleman Bandit. However, as Black Bart made his getaway, one of the witnesses fired at him, wounding the bandit in the hand and causing him to drop an embroidered handkerchief. He didn't know it at the time, but that little scrap of fabric would prove to be his undoing less than two weeks later. Charles Bowles, a.k.a. Black Bart, was born in Norfolk, England around the year 1829. 
Two years later, he and his family immigrated to Jefferson County, New York, where his father had purchased a farm. When he was about 20 years old, Charles set out with his cousin David to find his fortune in the gold fields of California. After a winter stopover in Missouri, they reached California in 1850 and began mining for gold along the American River near Sacramento. They made a go of things for the next five years, but never managed to strike it rich. Still, the venture wasn't a total bust, as Charles did meet his future wife, Mary Elizabeth Johnson. The couple would later have four children together, and would settle on a farm in Decatur, Illinois. A few years later, the Civil War broke out, and Charles enlisted in the Union Army in the fall of 1862. He served valiantly for the next four years, and was discharged as a first lieutenant in the summer of 1865. Following the war, Charles went home to his family in Illinois and resumed his work as a farmer. He soon grew restless, though, and set out for another mining expedition, this time in Montana. He and an old friend from Missouri started working a small mine there and had a few minor successes. Sometime later, the pair's good fortune attracted the attention of Wells Fargo and Company an express banking and mail delivery service that made a killing in the West during the California Gold Rush. The exact details of this encounter are somewhat hazy, but according to a letter Charles wrote his wife in 1871, several men from the company wanted to buy the land where he and his friend's mine was located. They refused the offer, and a short time later, the Wells Fargo agents supposedly retaliated by cutting off the miner's water supply effectively forcing them to abandon their claim. The last letter Mary Bowles ever received from her husband was dated August 25, 1871. In it, he swore revenge against the company that had robbed him of his hard-earned fortune. Mary probably expected her husband to return home after settling whatever grievances he had with Wells Fargo, but as the months and years went by without word, she eventually gave him up for dead. And in a way, that was true. During his absence, Charles Bowles began a new life under the name Charles Bolton. He rented a well-kept room in a San Francisco boarding house and claimed to be a successful mining engineer. In public, he made sure to look the part, sporting fashionable clothes, a white bushy mustache, and a gold watch chain. For a time, his cover story was more or less true. He really had returned to California to once again take part in the gold rush, though he likely exaggerated his success. Once this new identity had been established, though, Charles was finally free to carry out his long-brewing revenge scheme. He was far from the first to target a Wells Fargo stagecoach. For the last 20 years or so, the company's wagons had transported most of the gold output from California, making them a favorite target among outlaws. On July 26, 1875, Charles joined their ranks by committing his first stagecoach robbery, and the nefarious Black Bart was born. He may have been following in the footsteps of other bandits, but Bart was something of an anomaly in his field. He worked alone and took a decidedly low-key approach to robbing. He simply stood in the road with a flour sack over his head with holes cut out for eyes and a black derby hat on top. Then he'd point a gun at an approaching stagecoach, and when it stopped, he'd take the mailbags, hack open the strong box containing the gold, and be on his merry way. The coaches were guarded, of course, 
but Bart devised a clever ruse to make them stand down and hand over the goods. He'd arrive at the location early and tie a bunch of sticks to the branches of nearby bushes. Then, if the guards gave him pushback, he'd simply point to the bushes and pretend the sticks were the rifle barrels of the rest of his gang. Despite that deception, Black Bart was reportedly quite polite during his robberies. He never used foul language and never stole from the stagecoach passengers, only from the Wells Fargo company. And even though the bandit always brandished a shotgun, he never shot anyone. In fact, he later claimed the weapon wasn't even loaded. During the course of his eight-year criminal career, Black Bart became famous for his sophisticated approach to larceny. That reputation was furthered by his unusual habit of leaving behind short poems signed by Black Bart the Poet. That's P-O and then the number eight. He's only confirmed to have done this on a few occasions, but that was enough to earn him yet another nickname, the Poet of the Sierra. The poet's most famous work was seemingly directed at Wells Fargo and made his feelings about the company crystal clear. It reads as follows. I've labored long and hard for bread, for honor and for riches, but on my corns too long you've tread, you fine-haired sons of b****s. Given Black Bart's literary inclinations, it probably comes as no surprise that his outlaw name was likely taken from a short story. To be specific, it's believed he got the name from The Case of Summerfield, an adventure story published in the Sacramento Union newspaper in the early 1870s. The villain of that story is, you guessed it, a stagecoach robber named Black Bart. It's worth noting, though, that there was also a real-life pirate who went by Black Bart Roberts, but it's doubtful his exploits were well-known in 19th century California. While stagecoach robberies were clearly something of a game for Black Bart, Wells Fargo was not amused. The company dispatched its private police force to bring the bandit to justice dead or alive. However, since Black Bart had never been identified or captured before, tracking him down proved incredibly difficult. He wasn't on the run like most outlaws. Instead, he continued living in public as the dapper gentleman Charles Bolton. Or at least, that is... He did until the day of his final stagecoach robbery. On November 3rd, 1883, 54-year-old Black Bart returned to the scene of his very first crime, an isolated wagon route near Copperopolis, California. He went about his routine as normal, hacking open the stage's strongbox with an axe and retrieving the sack of gold inside. That time, however, when Bart went to make his getaway, the driver and his lone passenger opened fire. One bullet struck Bart in the hand, causing him to drop a stolen bundle of mail, as well as a telltale handkerchief. Though he didn't know it at the time, that unassuming piece of fabric spelled the end of Black Bart's criminal career. That's because it bore a distinctive laundry mark, a string of letters and numbers that were used by laundry services to tell employees who owned the items being washed. Bart's handkerchief, for example, was marked FX07, and as Wells Fargo detectives soon found out, that meant it had been cleaned by a laundry house in San Francisco. After checking nearly 90 different laundries, the agency finally traced the handkerchief back to local mining engineer Charles Bolton. Under interrogation, he lost his temper and eventually confessed to being Black Bart. 
He was arrested on the spot and later pleaded guilty at trial. Notably, Wells Fargo only pressed charges for his final robbery on November 3rd. As a result, Charles was sentenced to only six years in San Quentin prison and wound up serving just over four years before being released for good behavior. What happened after his release is unknown. His last appearance in the historical record was in February of 1888, about a month after his release from prison. Witnesses say they saw him at the Visalia House Hotel in California, but where he went and what he did after that remains a mystery. The one thing we do know for certain is that he never returned to crime, or to poetry either. When the former bandit was released from San Quentin, reporters asked if he planned to rob any more stagecoaches. No, gentlemen, he said smiling, I'm through with crime. Then another reporter asked if he would continue to write poetry. Bowles laughed and replied, quote, Didn't you hear me say that I'm through with crime? Oh, Black Bart, you always were your own worst critic. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider keeping up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to pass them along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, 
or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.